All right, well, welcome. We are so glad that you guys are here. I do think you guys are all good leaders. So uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for, uh, for being here. Just one quick little shout out here. The guy behind the camera is Tim Lang. He leads our Alpha, leads so much. It is his birthday today. So uh, happy birthday, Tim, to you. Awesome, awesome guy. He, uh, he and his wife are getting ready to go to the mission field. Their story will be told in the next couple weeks. But uh, love you, Tim. Thanks for all you do around here and happy birthday. But I love uh, nights like this. It just reminds me of how many gifts, how many skills, how many talents are here and that together we take all of our gifts, we take all of our skills and talents, put it together and it makes the church of Jesus Christ strong. It makes it look beautiful. And uh, I'm so glad that you are using your talents and your skills uh, to, to help build the body of Christ. My skills are very, very limited. Uh, one thing you have to know about me is uh, in the area of like construction, home repair, um, I am bad. Like, uh, actually... I am pitifully horrible at uh, home construction stuff. Even with like simple instructions like Ikea, you know, you read like a whole bedroom set for like 1995 that has all the instructions there. Uh, when I see 1995, what I see is I'm paying $19.95 to have my self-esteem just plummet. Because when I try to put that thing together, it's like I just, it's, it's a horrible disaster. So that's an area that I am definitely not skilled. But um, just a couple uh, weeks ago, my wife and uh, kids left town for a couple days, and, um, and so I saw this little uh, playhouse at Sam's Club, and uh, our daughter loved it, and she's like, oh, daddy, daddy, and so I was like, I'm going to go get that thing and build that, and uh, I looked at the instructions, said two to three hours. Um, I had knocked that sucker out in like six, seven hours, no problem, <laughs> but... Get ready to say aw, because it's like one of the cutest, I think I have a picture here of it. Is that not aw, you know, right? Okay, so then this morning, uh, we are having breakfast, and uh, we hear something in our yard going on, like a crash, you know? And, um, and so we go outside, and this is what we see here. I don't know if you can see that. That is a tree, but notice it is still standing. That thing was so well built. Yes. It did not collapse. The instructions say that uh, you're supposed to tighten the screws like every six months or so. There's only like a thousand screws, so that'll be an easy uh, task to do. Um, I'm, I'm just bad. If you, if you know any of my friends, they know how pitiful I am. But uh, I'm glad that you all have, are using your strengths, and uh, it's not dependent on me to have all the strengths. Um, I am loving uh, this sermon series that we're in, Dangerous Prayers. We're hearing all kinds, of, we're getting emails, uh, feedback, and one that I heard uh, just last week that I want to tell you about, uh, it was the Dangerous Prayer, God Heal Me. And uh, afterwards, uh, on, uh, so that was Sunday, uh, this whole weekend we preached uh, God Heal Me, that whole weekend we preached God Heal Me on Monday, we went with a couple from the church. They told us about their daughter, 15 years old, had been bringing a friend uh, with them, and um, this friend has no church background whatsoever. After service, hearing the whole thing on uh, God's miraculous power to heal all that, 
asks her friend, um, says, can you explain to me what a miracle is? I don't, I don't know what a miracle is. Um, what is healing? Um, please just break it down for me. And she says, well, it's when God instantaneously takes something that's wrong and makes it right, something that's broken and fixes it. And uh, God, our God, our Jesus can do that in an instant. And, uh, and she said, well, my wrist has been hurting for months and months and months. So our 15-year-old little girl, uh, she says, um, well, my Jesus can heal you right now and says, give me your hand. And they prayed, and instantaneously, this girl was healed. 15-year-old youth in our youth group praying for a friend to get healed. That deserves a round of applause for God. And then one that I thought was really cool, just this week, uh, going into God send me, um, the prayer, God send me, here am I, send me, even before the sermon was preached, I got an email from one of our life group leaders that leads uh, this uh, life group called, called um, Missionary Talk Kids. I think we have a picture of these little kids right here. So this is a group of kids right here that are Skyping with the first Assembly of God missionary ever to Liberia. So these little kids right here are hearing about what God is doing in Liberia through this missions, uh, th through these missionaries there, and then they come and hear. I believe that these kids sitting around this table um, could be one of the 500, or maybe all of them will be the 500. But I just I love what God is doing uh, through this series. I'm looking forward to the next series called Reclaim. This fall, uh, we're going to be talking about just God able to reclaim everything in our life, and um, so I'm really really looking forward to that. Here's the challenge I want uh, to give all of us: invite one friend. Every single one of us invite a friend. I came across this uh, statistic. Uh, this is by uh, Tom Rainer, the unchurched uh, uh, next door. It says 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited. 82% are likely to attend if someone just invites them. The survey that they did showed that only 2% of church members actually invite their neighbors to church. 98% of churchgoers never extend an invitation in any given year. 98%. Let's make it our goal, every single one of us, to invite one friend this fall uh, to River Valley Church. Um, we're expecting an increase of attendance, about 1,000 people between just this past couple weeks and the first few weeks in uh, the fall launch. So when everyone's coming back to school, coming back from the cabins, we're expecting an increase in attendance of nearly 1,000. Um, you may hear us talk about prime time services. That's the 945 and 1115 service. Why do we call that prime time? Because that is when visitors, people that don't go to church, are most likely to come to church. They'll come on Sunday morning, but they're not coming to the 8.30 acoustic. They're not coming Saturday night. And uh, so if you're bringing a friend, please come to the 9.45 and 11.15. If you're not bringing a friend, we literally only have 1,800 seats at those two services. Right now, we're averaging about 1,600 people coming to those two services. That only gives us 200 seats for visitors. We're expecting about 1,000. 
So we need our leaders, if you're not bringing a visitor, to make it a priority with you and your family to come to the Saturday night services or come to the 8.30 acoustic. If you haven't been to that one, it's a smaller venue, but it is just, it's electric. Um, a lot of our team have already said it's our, their new favorite uh, service. It's one of my favorites. So please, if you're inviting a friend, bring them to the primetime service, 9.45, 11.15. Um, but if you are um, just coming with your family, we love having you, obviously, but come to the Saturday night or um, the uh, 8.30. My mouth is uh, needing some water. Uh, let me give you a Kingdom Builder update. We, um, if you weren't here, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, Pastor Rob announced that July was our strongest month of giving in the history of the church except for last December. So we are just, giving is incredible. Uh, Apple Valley right now has 1.66 uh, million committed to the building project. We need 2.4 million uh, to begin that project, but we're at 1.66 uh, committed. So um, our, our goal is to start by next spring. Uh, we'll probably be out four to six months, probably uh, closer to the six-month range, hoping, hoping to be back in um, late fall, maybe winter time of next year. But uh, we can't begin until the 2.4 million is raised, not just committed, but actually uh, raised. Let me give you a couple uh, staffing updates here. Um, we have asked uh, Pastor Aaron um, Topper, he's also known as, so many of you love him, uh, he, to ask him to step up and to, uh, to help as one of our associate campus pastors. And he has graciously agreed to that, and we're thankful that he is willing to do that. Pastor Aaron. So we're thrilled to have, he is, he is one of those guys that could build anything, do anything, just multi-talented and uh, thankful for that. Um, we'll be giving more details in the coming uh, weeks, uh, but we have hired a new uh, Apple Valley youth pastor and a new Apple Valley kids pastor uh, starting early this fall. So very excited uh, for both of them to be joining the team. Um, two quick announcements here. Uh, the next life group orientation, online life group orientation, if you've not gone through life group leader orientation, please make this a priority. Write it down. September 2nd, 8 o'clock. Um, it's all online. It's only 30 minutes of your time. You can do it from home. You can do it from a coffee shop. But that is our next online life group leader orientation. Uh, and then our next host team leader orientation. This is for like our host teams, serving teams, uh, first impressions, that kind of a thing. If you've not gone through the leader orientation for that, the next one is August 26th at uh, 7 p.m. Um, last announcement, last infomercial here is we want you in 2015 to go on a global team. If you've never been on a global team, we want 2015 to be the year that you decide, no excuses, I'm going to go on a global team. Let me give you four reasons why you should go on a global team. Number one, our pastor has asked us to go on a global team. 
The reason he has asked us to go on a global team is it, show, it helps you understand why our heart beats for the lost, why our heart beats for uh, this world and the people that don't have access to the gospel. And it's so hard to just put into words. When you go and you experience it, um, you start to understand why we're so passionate about kingdom builders, why we're so passionate about global project. Uh, get yourself, get your family uh, on a global team. Also, it... I believe it helps us reevaluate our ordinary. Oftentimes in life, we have a tragedy that just jolts us, that shakes us. It can be a sickness, it can be a job loss, it can be all kinds of different things that are often negative. I believe this is one of the most positive things that just jolts your ordinary, makes you reevaluate just everything in your life. Uh, I love what uh, Don Eichens, uh, one of our leaders around here, they're getting ready to go on the mission field. Uh, again, you'll be hearing their story in the coming uh, weeks and months. But um, he says one of the reasons why it's such a life-changing experience when you go on a global team is because you have 24 hours a day for nine, 10 days in a row where you're not distracted by email, you're not distracted by text messages, you're not distracted by anything except focusing on hearing from God and serving other people. And something just happens inside of you. Just the ordinary becomes just fresh to you all over again. Say, God, why am I in my workplace? Why have you given me the success I've been given? All the different things. And he just speaks to you for 24 hours a day for 9, 10, 12 days in a row. And so um, it is a life-changing experience. And um, that can be cliche um, in our society. Oh, this is life-changing. you got to Try these cheese curds, it's gonna change your life. Whatever, you know, <laughs> such frivolous things. But I'm not overstating when I say that going on a global team is life-changing. I wanna just take five minutes to tell you my own story. I, I, hopefully this will inspire you. Um, 15 years old, I'm a pastor's kid, I love Jesus, I'm trying to honor my parents, and I go on my first uh, missions trip global team to Limina, Iquitos, Peru. I didn't have a lot of money, came from a very middle class uh, family. We didn't have the $1,200, but my dad said this, work hard, do your part, and see God take care of the rest. Work hard, do your part, let's see God do the rest. So I raised the $1,200, I went, and I did not know how life-changing that experience was going to be. Up to that point, wanted to be a professional tennis player. As I've said before, I was missing this thing called talent, so I just decided, okay, I'm not going to be a professional tennis player. Uh, God, I'm going to just follow you in whatever you want me to do. And that was a marking moment in my life. Fast forward to college. Between my sophomore and junior year, you'll see how this even brings me to where I'm standing here today. That 15-year-old going on a trip changed my life completely, and I believe it will change your life. It's not just a cliche. It will be life-changing. God works things behind the scenes that you don't know. Fast forward to I'm in college. Between my sophomore and junior year, I get accepted as one of 15 students that would go around the world. It costs a lot of money. Again, uh, my dad said, you work hard, you do your part, and we'll see God take care of the rest. Raise the money. And um, went on this world tour, six countries in six weeks, 15 students from around the United States. I'm standing in Aradia, Romania, on a train track. In the middle of the night, there was two of us watching the bags for our team. And in the middle of the night, I'm just talking to God. And I hear him say this, dream big. I'm like, what does that mean? Dream big for my life? Dream big for my wife? What am I supposed to be dreaming big for? 
And I just felt like God say, keep dreaming big, dream, dream big, dream big. The next semester at college, um, I was asked to be the student leader of our student missions uh, um, initiative at our school, about 2,200 students, private Christian school. And I felt like God say, this is what I want you to dream big about. And so I start to dream big about that. And um, I got five of my friends together. And I said, let's go talk to the college president. Let's see if he'll give us permission during a nine-day window, during our spring break, to do as much good around the world as we can, recruit as many people as we can. And uh, our college president was a former missionary. He said yes. And uh, so we recruited, the five of us recruited 75 of our friends that recruited about uh, 500 of our friends, raised about a million dollars in a, about four or five month period, and we went to 25 different countries serving missionaries all over the world. Just absolutely phenomenal. We come back from that, we get calls from radio stations, get called actually from Oprah. She finds out it's a Christian school, Christian mission. She goes a different way with the story. <laughs> Two kids that are in college from North Central University here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, hear about what we did during that spring break. They fly down to Texas where the school was at, and they ask us, how did you do it? We tell the story, they go back, I don't know much about them at all. I graduate, now I'm just continuing moving forward, I graduate, and um, I start applying to different law schools because I feel like I'm going to use that for missions. I'm going to use a law degree to help people that have been um, abused, injustice, human trafficking, sex trade, all that. I feel like that's what I'm supposed to do. So I start to apply to different law schools, get accepted to Hamlin University up here in Minnesota, hear about this tiny little missions organization in Burnsville. I ask if I can help out one day a week. I'm working there just to helping out volunteering. And the owner of the missions organization pulls me into his office and he says, let me tell you a story. Two years ago, my son came down to Southwestern Assembly God University and met with you. He came back and said, in about a year, year and a half, why don't you try to hire this kid to come to Minnesota? And his answer at the time was, if God wants him in Minnesota, he's going to bring him to Minnesota. <laughs> I'm in Minnesota now, sitting in front of him and... Uh, and I feel in that moment that God said, I brought you up here for something totally different than you thought. And, um, and so I'm just like wondering like, okay, this is it. I'm gonna be full-time in this. Uh, he offers me $15,000 a year as a job. I leave law school to take that. Just a test. It was a smart decision. Um, <laughs> it really was. Very quickly he changed that, but he didn't want me to be tempted by money. One of my very first trips that I uh, led for this missions organization um, was for a small little church, a few hundred people, called River Valley Church. And on that trip was Pastor Rob Ketterling, Becca, Logan, Connor, Isabel, all this. Pastor Rob, in his smooth way, was like, hey, I can't pay you right now, but would you ever want to come to River Valley Church <laughs> and help us grow missions? And, uh, and I said, man, I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be, um, but who knows what the future has. Fast forward five years later, and uh, um, I grow, go, go through this crisis in my life. And Pastor Rob was one person that kept reaching out to me, reaching out, are you ready to come to River Valley and help us? And so seven years ago, I came to River Valley Church and uh, helped with missions. Here's the backstory. My grandpa is a simple farmer and um, very successful. 
But on Friday and Saturday nights, he'd go down to the Star Tribune and, and stuff the newspaper with ads that you'd get in the Sunday paper. When I moved up here, I asked if I could go with them just to watch what they do, and it was hard, hard work. About a year later, I asked my grandpa, I said, Grandpa, why in the world do you and Grandma stuff newspapers on Friday and Saturday nights in the middle of the night all night long? You don't need the money. He says, we don't need the money, but any time one of our grandkids wants to go on a missions trip, we want to fill in the gap. I didn't know that God was using my grandpa to fill in the gap when I was 15 years old. And when I went on that world tour and, got, and God spoke to me and said, dream big, and that happened and led me here. I had a grandpa that sacrificed for me. I believe that God is doing things behind the scenes. People that have been on a global team that are sitting here, I can look at you in the eye right now. You know that when you step up, you're like, I don't know where the money's gonna come from. I don't know how it's gonna work out but you just do your part, you work hard, and let God fill in the gaps. It's just amazing what God will do. I promise you, going on a global team, that's the best pitch I can give, all right? I'm done with that infomercial. Right there, I'm done. So let, let, me, let me get started. First of all, let me just sincerely, um, I don't know how to say this more, um, sincerely, but thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Go kids, youth, life group, JBQ, security, greeting team, all of that. Cafe, you may not think it's significant, but when people walk in here and they come up and they say, Pastor, your church feels so welcoming. It feels so loving. I've never been to a place and I've never experienced it. When music comes out, I just sense the presence of God. What they don't know is that smile softened them to the presence of God. It was that kind word that you said, welcome, so glad you're here. All those things combined, just thank you for all that you do, sincerely. Um, it makes a huge difference. It is, I am so proud to be called one of your pastors. Um, love you guys like crazy. Um, before we uh, begin to worship here tonight in the breakout sessions, we've already begun to talk about serving and leading. I wanna talk a little bit specifically about community and service. Um, and what Pastor Rob challenged us to say, identify other people to bring on your journey as well. In this, in this idea of community, this idea of service, identify other people that you can bring along uh, on this journey. I believe that besides the grace provided us through Jesus Christ. Besides that, the greatest idea that God ever came up with, besides grace through his son, Jesus Christ, the greatest idea is this dependence, this need that we have for one another. All through scripture, if you just open up your Bible and you read over and over and over, you'll see one another, one another, one another, one another, serve one another, encourage one another, sharpen one another, care for one another, serve for one another, sacrifice for one another, love one another. It's all through scripture. We absolutely are designed in a way that we need one another. Our society fights against that, tells us it's an individualistic, excuse me, individualistic society. We don't need it, we can do it on our own. It's all good but we are designed by our creator to need one another. And I believe it's his greatest idea besides the grace of God through his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said the greatest characteristic of a follower of Christ is our love for one another. John 13, 
34 through 35. Many of you know this by memory. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another by this, by this characteristic. People will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Last uh, leadership night, I talked about as this campus gets larger, we have to emphasize the need to care for one another and build a strong community. It's not just a big crowd, but it's a community of people that truly care for one another. We truly serve one another. We're looking out for one another. And I said in that leadership night that it's my prayer and our prayer that there would be these rumors just floating about, about caring for one another. And just a couple weeks ago, I heard of this rumor about a couple that's here tonight. Um, they went on a global team down to Iowa. They served at Wildwood. They met one of the uh, campers there named Johnny, or one of the volunteers there named Johnny. Johnny needed a place to live. Johnny's background is horrible. Kicked out of his home when he was 13 or 14 years old. Mom doesn't speak English, isn't able to provide for them. Dad's nowhere in the picture. Last time he went to visit his dad in Boston, he flew all the way to Boston, and we showed up there. His dad totally forgot that he was there, and he had to try to find his dad's house. Like, completely absent, no family support, no structure. This is Johnny's story. This couple hears that Johnny's needing a place to live. They offer him a place to live, and he had found some place already. A year later, they find out that Johnny is now looking for a place to live, and they welcome him into his home. And uh, they just, I think they saw a posting on Facebook, and they reached out to Johnny and said, our home is available. This is a couple that's sitting among you right now, Johnny was the first person just a couple months ago to graduate from high school and his family. Um, all the other kids were having a, a graduation party, um, and so this family said, we're throwing you a graduation party. Johnny starts applying to schools all over. His number one school is this Christian school, Azusa Pacific, out in California. He goes out there, he visits, and he finds out that he's about $30,000 short of what's he, what he is needing to attend there. And um, the guidance counselor, impressed by his story, writes a little letter, or asks him to write his story down. His story makes it all the way to the president of the university. The president of the university calls up one of his donors and says, here's a story of a, na a kid named Johnny. The donor on the spot says, I'll pay all four years of his college, his room, his board, his books, his transportation, everything that he needs, put me down for that. And this kid, floundering, wondering where he's going to lay his head at night, a family, Johnny doesn't go to River Valley. <laughs> Johnny goes to Canvas Church down in, in, in Northfield. But this River Valley family embraces him. I love the heart and the attitude of the River Valley Church that are looking how to bring people into the community of Christ and say, we will help. We'll share our resources. We'll do what we can do to, uh, to make Jesus Christ look good and give this kid that had no future an incredible future. That's just one of the many rumors that you hear that is absolutely true. And uh, so for the couple that you know who you are, you're sitting here, well done, making look Jesus Christ... Um, look amazing. Um, when you come to church, yeah. When, when you come to church or you come to an event, um, let me just uh, encourage you not to come with the attitude, um, man, I've been here, I've done that, I've been to Sparkle before, I've been to Guys Night, I've been to this service, you know, all that. Come with the mentality of a servant that says, I'm not coming to be served, 
I'm coming to serve. If you notice, everything that I just said began with an I. I've been there. I've done that. I've got this. I don't need that. All those things is just a very self-centered perspective. But if you come to say, I wonder who I could help. I wonder who's walking through these doors that doesn't have anyone reaching out to them. I wonder who that individual is that is walking in for the first time. You know, I'll, I'll give you very <laughs> transparent. Seven years ago when I came uh, here, I, um, I was broken, I was hurting, and uh, I told Pastor Rob, I said, you do not want me to be one of your pastors because uh, I will mess some people up because I am hurting really bad. And he says, I still see something in you. Um, just trust me. And so, so I did. And, uh, but um, I'm an introvert naturally, so I get energized by being by myself. Pastor Rob's an extrovert naturally. He just loves crowds of people. And so uh, one of our responsibilities as pastors is to um, kind of work the lobby, for lack of a better term, where we're just greeting new people. If we see new people, connect them, help them get connected so that they know that they're welcome. And um, this was so intimidating for me. I'll give you a little hint. I would slip into the bathroom last stall and just like catch my breath for a few minutes. I'd just be like, okay, get back out there, do what you gotta do. Get back out there, do what you gotta do. Pastor Rob's gonna catch you. He's gonna catch you in here. Get back out there. And so I'd get out there. Here's, here's something that made a big difference for me. When I felt the pressure of connecting people, when I felt the pressure of like, okay, I gotta be all this, do all this or whatever, like that's where it just kind of just wore down on me. When I flipped it and I said, just go and be kind. The goal is kindness. Now I'm sort of naturally a kind person, but I can be kind if I need to be kind. <laughs> Way more than to be everything that you're supposed to be as a pastor, but I was like, I can be kind. And so I said, all right, I'm just going to go, glad you're here. Welcome. Have you been here before? Yep, seven years. Great. That's, I'm just a month old. It's great. <laughs> nice to meet you. Whatever. You know, so I learned not to say that anymore or whatever. But, but the goal is kindness. So let me just encourage you, empower you. Your goal is kindness. To just be kind to people when they walk in, you don't recognize them, there's a good chance they don't recognize you, and just go up and introduce yourself and simply be kind. Glad you're here. Welcome. Have you been around a long time? I don't think we've met. And then you start to share, a story, share stories and then um, connect them this way. Here's, here's an interesting fact that I came across. Tom Clegg, a consultant with the Church Growth Institute, came across this, this week. It says, when visitors walk through the door, they will decide in three to eight minutes whether, whether they will ever return. So before they hear Ryan Williams' silky smooth voice, they, they are going to decide whether they feel welcome here or not. Before they ever see a pastor step on a stage, they're going to sense, am I welcome here or not? And our kindness, kindness will make a difference. Here's a crazy uh, statistic. 90% will never come back if they don't feel welcome. Three to eight minutes, they decide if they feel welcome. 90% will never come back if they don't feel welcome in the first three to eight minutes, first time. A visitor, uh, this is a quote by uh, Tom Clegg, a visitor is the most important person that attends church on Sunday. Their attendance has been motivated by a friend or a deep need. They bring hurts, questions, apprehensions. They look for warmth, acceptance, and a smile.
Let me just give you a couple examples of who walks through our doors. About a month ago, a gentleman by the name of Muhammad walked in our doors, mid-30s. He had never stepped into a church anywhere on the face of earth before he walked into River Valley Church. This is his first impression of Jesus Christ, River Valley Church. He loved it. He was graciously welcomed. He came up to me afterwards and said, my first time ever at church. And I said, what did you think? He goes, loved it, absolutely loved it. I love what one of our uh, lead ushers, they watch for the license plates of cars when they come in. And they're looking to see if there's an out-of-towner. Not Minnesota, but another. And they notice that if it's an out-of-town plate, good chance they're a brand new visitor. And so they, go, they make it their point to go straight to that person and say, hey, are you new here? They're just observing. A light. I thought that was brilliant to look for a license plate. I wished I could have claimed that was my idea, but um, <laughs> here's a cool story. Um, my grandpa, um, that stuff newspapers, farmer, um, one of the first times that Jim Garvey, our business administrator, ever walked into a church down the road, the first person that greeted him was my grandpa. He said, welcome. And in that moment, he said, are you new here? He said, yep, first time here. He goes, why don't you come with me on a missions trip to Costa Rica? Was his opening line, <laughs> right? <laughs> true story, true story. Jim Garvey can attest to this. Jim Garvey went on that missions trip and had his life radically changed and is now the business administrator here, which I love as a global project pastor asking for requests financially and stuff like that, which is great. Um, here's another one. I've challenged our... Um, all of our worship team, all of our staff, all of our interns with this idea of just kindness. Just go and be kind. And, um, and Linda, uh, the, the lady that plays back here that, you know, all that, I don't even know what that is. Ryan, what's that instrument called? Vibraphone. The vibraphone. She plays the vibraphone. And, uh, and she was challenged with this, just be kind, be kind. And um, so the first week that she did, she walked up to a lady that was just... Uh, was leaning up against a pole. And she walked up and said, hi, my name is Linda. Um, have you been here before? She says, yes, I have been. But this is my first week since my divorce, without my kids, with no one. And Linda says, I'm gonna play, but as soon as I'm done playing on the stage, I wanna come and sit next to you. That Tuesday, they went out and had something to eat. And she welcomed her into the community of Christ and embraced her in her pain and her hurt. That's what we can be. We can be the body of Christ that looks so beautiful together, that serves one another, that cares for one another. You think that your part may or may not be significant, but together we're making Jesus Christ look strong. I want to give you four practical challenges that every single one of us can do. Just four practical challenges. If you can write this down. Attend or lead a life group at least twice a year. This will build the community of Apple Valley campus. It's huge, but we need hundreds of life groups. If every single one of us will attend or lead a life group, it will build the community. Maybe not for our own good. It will be for your own good, but maybe that's not your mentality. Just do it for somebody else. If you say, I've got enough friends, I like my friends, I don't need new friends, whatever. But do it for the purpose of somebody else. Attend or lead a life group, that's number one. Number two, serve or lead a serving team, host team 
at least once a month. Serve or lead um, a host team at least once a month. Most of our teams are designed in a way that you only have to serve two services a month. That's it. Some are a little bit more, but most of them, so serve at least once a month. Here's another goal. Introduce yourself to a new person every time you come to church. We've got our friends, we're connected, we know all that. You see your buddy, you want to go talk to them. But before you leave, introduce yourself to at least one new person. They might not be new to church. They may be around her for years and years and years, but you've not met them. Go and simply be kind to them. Just one person every single time you come to church. Last one, recruit up one person a month. Recruit up one person a month. What do I mean by that? If they're just attending, encourage them to step up and serve. If they're serving, encourage them to take a leadership position. If they're leading, encourage to multiply their leadership. If they're multiplying, just give them a kiss on the lips. Just do it right then, because that's, that's what we want. You'll surprise them, it'll be beautiful, whatever. Attend it or lead a life group. Attend or lead a life group. Serve once a month. Introduce yourself to one person every single time you come to church and recruit up. If they're attending, will you start serving? If you're serving, will you start leading? If you're leading, will you start multiplying? If you're multiplying, watch out, duck, really quick. <laughs> Let me pray for us before we worship. Jesus, I thank you for every single person that is here. God, I thank you for their willingness to sacrifice a Monday night. There's so many other things that could be done with a Monday night, but they came here because they care about this church. They care about building the body of Christ. God, I pray that you would bless them in every area of their life. God, open up doors of opportunity for them. God, I pray that we would have the courage, we'd have the strength to see beyond ourselves and we'd reach out to other people as we walk in as we see new people this fall, God, I pray that we would just embrace them, that we'd welcome them into our life, into our home, that there would just be so many rumors that would swirl around this community that you just got to come and experience what's going on over here. God, I thank you for every single person. Bless them. Now, as we worship you, Jesus, give our heart a renewed passion for you, Jesus, and those that you love that don't even know you yet that walk in with hurts and pains and questions. May our heart just beat for them. May we begin to pray for them. May we begin to reach out for them. Birth that in us as we worship you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.